the true driver should always be business value. This is just information. In itself, it doesn't mean anything. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative, the creative effectiveness ad tech platform. And I am sat in a weird corridor in Soho House in Amsterdam, but I'm not here on my own. Thankfully, I'm here with Nendra Van Vielink Mohammed, who is Associate Director, Global Media, Global Center of Excellence at Kraft Heinz. So Nendra, thanks for meeting me here today in this freezing cold corridor for any Anyone who's listening to this, can you give the audience a bit of a background on how you got to be in this position and and what's going to happen next? Hey, Tom. Thank you. First and foremost, again, thank you so much for having me here on your podcast. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And actually, you almost made me go to Belgium. (laughs) Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Nandra Van Vieling Mohammed. My most recent role is with Kraft Heinz exactly five years next month. I'm one of the first team members hired into the Global Media Center of Excellence team, or GECO as we call it, since its inception in 2018. I have to tell you, though, it's been one of my most exciting, mind-blowing journey in my first my 25 years career span to be able to drive capabilities and sophistication in media marketing from from the center. That means I get to stand on the shoulders of the giants and building alliances with uh, industry bodies like WFA and getting to the forefront of the industry, bringing uh, outside in perspective. I also get to get my hands dirty from leading agency management to transforming media operating model to leading data and tech discussions. Um, And the next thing I know, I would be driving uh, global partnerships, uh, budget setting approaches, standardizing uh, measurement, developing uh, MMM solution, as well as collaborating with uh, our stakeholders, internal or external. Never a dull moment in uh, Kraft Heinz. So, Nendra, in this extensive experience you have, what are the bad recommendations that you've heard over the years that you've tried and hasn't worked? How could you help the listeners on the show avoid some of those things that have been recommended to you? That's a great question. You see, I've always been passionate about media, marketing, tech, and advertising in general. So after spending more than 20 years from the agency's side, and I get to see things differently from an agency perspective, and then coming onto the client side, bringing and bridging agency knowledge into the brands, I have heard and also been recommended bad recommendations um, in the profession that I've been in, right? And I mean, 20 plus years, it's a long time. But one of the few things that it's uh, that gets to the top of my head, it's automate everything. Then set and forget because it's easy. Now, I think we know, first off, automation isn't an easy task. Loads of work and time that goes behind it. And secondly, because there's, you need human oversight. So what happens if you automate and you forget? And I think you can expect some disaster. The other bad recommendation I could think of is actually be honest, no filter, and let's just keep it at that, maybe. And the third one, and and this is more on a personal level, um, when I had an offer to actually transfer from our Singapore office from the agency site to Bangkok during my early career, I actually received a ver- very few strong recommendations. And to be fair, by well-meaning leaders and friends to actually stay in Singapore and not be a quitter. And in Singapore, we have at that time would be, hey, if you leave, you're a quitter. And it 
I was also reminded that it was it will not be wise to leave and work elsewhere, especially if the transfers from Singapore to Thailand, because it will mean career suicide. Um, I guess it's because there's a strong belief that Singapore has everything I'd ever need. Plus, you know, with a pay cut to think about, it's really not worth the risk. And what's more, it was crazy to think that. Why would anyone want to leave Singapore, right? Everybody wants to get in, not out. I mean, are you crazy? So, <laughs> being a bit of a rebel, um, a rebel with really itchy feet, I figured I have got nothing to lose. In fact, if I don't like it, I can always go back home. Um It was never about money for me to be able to move or get transferred out. It was more for the experience. And 20 plus years later, it was still still a decision I have not regretted. Well, thanks for sharing three. That's brilliant. So like, just kind of dwell on those a, a little bit. So don't automate everything, set and forget. And it, I love the way that you said that There's a lot of work that goes behind automation, right? If you don't set it up the right way, it's just it's going to follow the command and deliver the wrong thing, right? So, what is ideal? Like, because I always argue with our with people that I speak to is that people confuse automation with the optimal thing. Automation is just it happens, but the optimal thing is humans plus machines. So, I'm curious to know: was there a a lesson or was there a campaign what happened to make you realize that you shouldn't automate everything can you talk to a specific experience yeah i think there was a story if i remember from a previous life ago um we had a platform uh by a, um where we had to run a client's campaign and because of automation because of how easy it was to set things up um on a platform Unfortunately, we had the campaigns running continuously and over time, the campaign was not turned off even after the campaign was done. Um, and when that happened and we finally realized it, it was way over budget. And that was a case of when automation wasn't done right, when there wasn't any oversight and when you think that, hey, it's easy, set it up and forget it, but it shouldn't be that way. And that was a huge lesson. Um, for anyone involved in that. I always find it's the expensive mistakes are the ones that you learn from from best. And when you said bad recommendations, but be honest and no filter, like what did you mean by that? To be honest and have no filter, um, I think over the years it has given me some lessons in life. Um, I generally like to speak up my mind, say what I think. Um, over time, I realized that what you say or what you tend to think and then say it out might not serve you as well. That not everyone uh, would appreciate honesty. So in that sense, exercise some discretion because it might just impact other people. Um, and language is also a barrier when it comes to honesty. What it's being said in a somebody's na native language may not translate well to another person's uh, native language uh, as well. And um, in the Dutch culture, interestingly, everyone, it's very direct. So you can expect that uh, to happen. And in a way, I appreciate that because sometimes it's easier to just speak your mind. However, do exercise discretion. So there's some of the bad recommendations that you've heard in your career. But I'm looking for a bit of positive advice. What's a top tip that you would want to share when it comes to data-driven marketing? Top tip for data-driven marketing. 
think broadly my perspective will be to constantly refine skills uh, not just what data is to be collected rather understanding what the data means what is being measured and I think most importantly why it's being measured the other thing it's really try to immerse yourself in the data analysis and for me that's what I do to get better with uh, with understanding data I love looking at raw data only when it's clean and then putting the numbers together and I I like data right and I love data I love I, I toggle between zooming in and then zooming out to get a good perspective and being able to connect the data together because that's quite a feat to get to if your data it's just not connected or if you have dirty data for instance um, and really having playing around with it understand what it means and once the data are organized that's when it gets easier to translate into insights or stories and get actionable strategies that can help optimize business and marketing efforts and to me and one of the things that I've learned over the years, it's the true driver should always be business value. That means the data is not, data is just information. In itself, it doesn't mean anything, right? It gets to get organized, it gets to get cleaned up, it gets to get connected. And once you know what the true value is, in terms of business value, by that I mean it's either cost savings, revenue, productivity, or however you defined it, that ideally should get to the least amount of complexity or effort with the highest business value. And that also gets me to the tools that you use. Sometimes the more tools that you use, the more complexity is introduced and the more complicated your data and your tech stack uh, would become. So the last step would be always connect the dots between data and insights. I actually get a lot of joy diving into nicely formatted, clean, raw data to do analysis and create a story. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much my few top tips. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Madfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So we're now going to come on to your shiny new object, which is a weird one, right? Which is don't chase the shiny new object. So your shiny new object isn't a shiny new object. It's the avoidance of shiny new objects, which is, sounds a bit complicated. But tell me, what do you mean by that? Well, I wouldn't say avoidance, avoidance per se. I love shiny new objects. And again, this is a contrarian thinking, right? It's more about doing more with less. Um, I'm essentially a big advocate for pushing towards connected data, and that means business, marketing, media, retail, e-com, creative, audiences, whatever it is. And even better, coming from a media background, if we could put what is planned, what is bought, what is measured together, and I can, if, if I could ever have all those things in one place, that's fantastic. It's a big ask, right? So here's the thing. Just a thought where I think it gets a little bit controversial and I've said like it's a little bit contrarian to me actually liking or even, you know, diving into new shiny object. So it's 
when it comes to this, I think, how about let's start with what tools and data we already have first, especially when we talk about connected data and tech, right? So it helps us to just, let's pause with the chasing because there are two things here. One, it's value comes from taking the data generated by the tools and then putting them together in a way that makes sense and complement each other. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, rather than chasing a new shiny thing, how about let's make what we have the better, not necessarily new shiny thing, right? Because we live in a world filled with loads of data and in the rave of fancy state-of-art automated dashboard and everything it's about what dashboard spits out right but no matter how great it looks or how intuitive that dashboard or certain technology is it will not be reliable if the data behind it is just rubbish or not cleaned or not connected or just doesn't make sense right i cannot imagine a state of art tech stack that will help if the data itself isn't in, in order so this is where i'd like to take a step back I mean, I love data and all, but from a broader perspective, a few things need to happen. First of all, when we get into data, we need to be able to get an alignment of definitions and measurements in an organization. What actually is important? Uh, I mean, to a media person, it could just be, it could be reach um, and CPMs. To a procurement, it may be savings. Or to a marketeer, it could be brand awareness, brand health, and it's different when you looked at it from a finance perspective. So without understanding the hierarchy or the altitudes of measurement, I think it will be a challenge to present it in a meaningful way and also act on the data in a meaningful way because how it is measured is essentially not the same. And knowing that the platforms measure things differently and people will have a different understanding of what it means, it does get challenging. And thereby, going back to where we were, do we need a lot of new shiny things? Probably not, because if the house isn't in order, no, ma no matter of how many new shiny things you have, it's not going to help. How do you use data to tell a story that everyone can buy into? So I think, first of all, this goes back to connected data, right? How, how are you able to just connect the data sets together? Having a lot of data, it's great. There is this mantra where you can collect everything and you need to collect everything. But I think before we even get to getting a story, just remember that the data is mean meaningless if you can't make sense of it because not all data collected can be useful and not all useful data is collected or can be, be collected. So to be able to tell a story, you need to be able to zoom in and zoom out and understand what those data is um, in the first place, right? Um, so there it's a example that I used to work with, with a brand I shall not name. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a brand that seems to be, from the onset, just seems to be injecting a lot, a lot of investment, but it wasn't showing any impact. And media, unfortunately, has been called out as being inefficient or just spending way too much money, right? The reality was the spends was very much inferior to other competitors. The brand has not been spending a lot, but from a financial point of view, there was a lot of investment with it. So what happened was media inefficient, right? And year on year, that's request for incremental funding and media was seen as a cost and needs justification for that because then you need to have a proof that media, increasing media dollars will improve sales. Is that the truth? 
And if the data is not connected, it would just be easy to just say, hey, media doesn't work. We're not going to give you any money, right? However, once we are able to stitch the data together and have it modeled together with uh, distribution, together with promotion, together with trade, to, to, together with uh, revenue, uh, all of that micro data that we have, we were actually able to see, based on all the data sources we have, that the real problem was actually from distribution and the fact that overall, because the brand has not been spending, there was a weak brand health to it that were offsetting the impact of media. Now, without all those macro data, we would not have been able um, to get a true picture what that story is and we would not be able to make an action plan out of it. So what I'd like to understand better is how you get to connected data by asking the right question. So the example you gave there was that media was perceived to be ineffective if you purely look at the media data, right? But what you're saying, if you look at it from a distribution perspective and brand health measurements, there's like the, the between the three of them, there's a problem that needs to be solved. So you do a brand health job and a distribution job, then the media starts becoming more effective. So I get that. But what I want to do is understand how you knew where to look. So you've got you've got one data point in the middle, which in this case was media, but there's all of these other data points around it, right? There's weather, there's what the competition are doing, there's a I don't know, time of year, like what's going on in culture, but you looked at distribution and brand health. So if someone's listening to this podcast thinking, how do I connect my data? Do you have like a process or is it or is it quite free form? Do you just think, oh, I'm going to go out and find lots of data sources and go through them all and see if there's correlation and causation? Or is there a fixed set of data that you should be looking at in order to connect your data? I think there would always be fundamentally a, a fixed set of, of data that you would be looking at. But this is where we get all the smart people uh, to help us. And I'm a big fan of MMM, so market mix modeling. And that's it's where being able to get the right model um, and the right approach to it to model the data, knowing the business and having the, the right business stakeholders to, to implement an MMM, it's critical because once you stitch the data together at the back end and, and using regression model to, to be able to surface those, that would be, that would be helpful um, to help you pinpoint what exactly it's causing your business impact. So get the model right at the back end as soon as possible so that every time you look at the data, you've got all of the different data pulling from all the different places with the right regression modeling to help you point out what the issue is. Don't look at data in isolation. It needs to be compared to other datas that matter in the business. Brilliant. You just triggered something, right, in what you said. And exactly that... And the fact that I think, and this is where having a rigorous data collection um, uh, and governance, it's key. It needs to be tracked, it needs to be monitored, and you need to be able to collect those data. And, um, and like I said, right, having lots of data, it's great. Not all data collected can be useful, and not all useful data is collected or can be collected. So there is 
a case to be made for all the data that cannot be collected, what is the best way to collect it and how can you collect it consistently? Because only when you have consistent data, you would be able to model something that's accurate. So I'm really believing in your point of don't start going with the shiny new object, get your data connected, get your house in order, get your regression models in place, be in a position where you can analyze everything that you're doing in a way that the rest of the business understands. So when does the shiny new object come in? When do you open the door to the possibility of new tools and technologies and processes? That's a very good question. By that, I think we should always keep abreast of what's happening um, in the technology space, right? Because there would always be new technology that help us. But you start looking at that when you believe that it would complement your current process to be able to help you build whatever you need to do. See, having data is a strategic asset, right? More so if they're connected or put together in such a way that they're connected. Now, in terms of the backend technical stuff, it's not something that I would be able um, um, to provide. Well, Nendra, unfortunately, we are coming to the end of the podcast now. Final question. If someone wants to get in touch with you about any of the things that we've talked about today, where's the best place to get in touch with you and what makes a message that you will actually respond to? The best way to get me is just through LinkedIn and just send me a message and uh, I'll be there. Brilliant, Nendra. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.